Hello and welcome to another episode of Melissa Time. My name is Melissa. I'm your host. And I had a lot of carbonated beverage. <coughs> Sorry. So, I'm here. I'm near. So get used to it in your f- stupid face every fucking week. What's up? What's going on? I am back from a comedy festival this weekend in Atlanta. It's called Laughing Skull Fest. It was such an eye-opening experience, not necessarily because of the festival. The festival was really well put together and it was great, but based on last week's episode where I was just pretty much still crushed over letting myself down during that comedy competition on Friday and how I felt like I was so in my own way, this weekend I, I felt like I had a breakthrough and I figured out a way to get out of my way. And I think for a personality like mine, where I'm just constantly battling this irrational shame and self-consciousness to where I think everyone just is judging me and hates me all the time. And uh, this isn't on stage only, by the way, this is just every single day. And it just affects my stage performance because sometimes it just builds to a peak that I can't fight anymore because I'm not even aware that it's there. I'm just, all I'm aware of is that suddenly everybody hates me. And so then I just react to that and I just become really small and um, combative sometimes. And so this weekend, I feel like I had a real breakthrough. And it's because everything started to go wrong in exactly the ways that they would go wrong before where I would feel that way. I start to get that feeling, which is like, you know, the stakes are high. People literally are judging you. They, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're on stage, you're being judged when it's a competition or a festival or people are judging you even more. And in this case, there were industry professionals in the audience and they were there to judge. It's all judge and they're judging you. And, you know, I have a big problem with that, that is something that I need to overcome to do this. So, you know, the stakes were high. The show um, was not promising to be the best way to showcase myself. The audience was tight and tepid laughter and all this kind of nervousness. And then everybody around me was kind of negative because they didn't like the crowd either. And so... I don't know, I just, it started to kind of build to that situation where I would feel that way, where I would feel like, oh, everybody hates me, these people hate me, they don't even want me here. And then I don't know what happened, but I just decided to like fight myself, you know, like rhetorically fist fight inside of myself, like shut up, shut up, you stupid bitch, you know, just punch myself in the nose, in, in my soul punch my soul in the face and be like, wake up, you know, like smack my soul in the face and be like, snap out of it, like Cher in in Moonlight. So is that the name of that movie? I don't know. It's the one with Nicolas Cage and Cher where he takes her to the opera and she smacks the shit out of him because he's being a dickhead. And so um, with his wooden hand. So, you know, I was I was Cher and Nicolas Cage was just the the the, the guy with the stump and the, the wooden 
uh, hand who just couldn't get over himself and, and his own neuroses, right? And I just went and I smacked myself. I was like, she's just like, get it together. You, that's how I, that's not what I said exactly, but I felt it at myself. I was like, get it together, you stupid bitch. Fuck, the, fuck all of this. Fuck these people. Go up there and do the shit that you love. Like, what is this all for, right? It's not for these people and their judgment anyway. And their judgment is superficial. They're just doing their job and the audience is just doing their thing. They are reacting probably to the fact that everybody in the show is just oozing nervousness because they don't know how to, they also have trouble kind of getting a grip on themselves and presenting themselves to people that they they want and expect so much from, which they shouldn't, right? Industry people are, they got their own fucking jobs to worry about. And, you know, it's its like, why would they invest in you if you, you haven't done anything for yourself a lot of the time, right? It's like, I don't know, man, T- too many, um, too many hangups, too much bullshit. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck this, you know, just get up there and, and like, you're here to do stand up. Fucking do stand up. Do do the do the best you fucking dig have fun. Don't give a shit about the audience unless they want to come along for the ride, which is of course what you want, really, right? It's like, come on, let's do this. And if not, be funny anyway. Just be funny, right? So I don't, and I got so mad at myself, but in a good way. I I got really mad at myself, but in this it more like I got indignant at myself. I was like, what are you doing, you stupid bitch? You know? You're you're great. You're great enough, great enough to be here, right? So go up there and tell some fucking jokes, for Christ's sake. And so I did. And immediately, it was just so different from any time I've performed with the with with a few exceptions where I've been um, somehow mentally incapacitated to the point where I did well because I, I had no choice but to get out of my way. I didn't know where I was, you know, because I was too high or one time I was I just so hopped up on coffee and, and anxiety that I just went up there and I was just talking and I did great. And uh, and it was also terrible. I ran the light, but who cares? But um, yeah, I mean, well, I did care. It was unprofessional of me. And uh, sorry, uh, Dustin. Anyway, but yeah, I it felt like like all of a sudden I felt like I was another level I was at another level of of who I could be. And regardless of what happens with this festival, its aftermath and the people I connected with and whether or not uh, they think that I'm ready for something that they might have on the table for someone else, you know, and maybe not me right now, it's fine. Because suddenly I realized that, you know, I'm, I'm here to do this. You know, and it's, I'm here, I'm in it. I'm invested, I'm committed for the long haul. So, you know, some people get lucky and um, and some people are just adept at social engineering their way to, uh, to success sooner. Or, you know, they have that raw talent that is just obvious from the start and, and then they, and they also don't get in their own way and they also just kind of know how to handle themselves professionally somehow. I don't know what they, they have to just have it all, you know, and they make it. It's it's just not going to be me. You know what I mean? I mean, what can I say? I guess, you know, it reminds me of Bukowski. He had a 
there's a YouTube clip of him basically saying something like that. I, I'm not sure if it's a quote from something he actually wrote, because I don't remember, but I was on a Bukowski kick for a while and just kind of reading some of his poetry and, and watching a lot of his YouTube clips because he's a really enigmatic figure. He's very compelling and you like to watch him and listen to him talk. And so I did that for a while and he, he basically said that, you know, and, and he also, he didn't really achieve success until much later. And I mean, it was a good thing because I think if he had, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't have been able to be pickled in in the brine of disappointment and nihilism like he was. He wouldn't have thought to go around and find inspiration in the places that he did and haunt these bars and go these places and think about these things. So, you know, he so he said basically that, you know, a lot of people, you know, will start writing and some of those people will just get lucky and their whole careers will just be champagne and parties for the rest of their lives. And that's great. And then he said, you know, but others like me, you know, we just kind of, we just haunt old pubs and kind of sit in the dark for a long time, I guess, like a, like an acorn. What the hell am I talking about now? I am not a poet. Jesus Christ, Melissa, get it together. But I mean, yeah, that's all philosophical nonsense. I'm just philosophizing now and like navel gazing about that experience. But all I want to say is if you're like me in any way where you feel this, I don't know where the, where this comes from, but if you maybe were tormented by a sibling or some of your peers or something and or had a bully in school or something like that or something happened where you know you, you were just made to absorb this um ever-present sense of of persecution and then eventually you kind of ended up feeling like you deserved it and you start becoming full of um the, you know like the feeling of shame like of always feeling like you made a mistake, you did something wrong. You know, you just have high anxiety constantly. Every time you have a conversation that goes longer than 10 minutes, you just go home and beat yourself up about it for three hours until you finally fall asleep from sheer exhaustion. If you, if you, and, and many, many more ex things, you know, that I don't have time to really get into with this because this podcast is only 30 minutes long. But if you, if you feel that, you know, if you're battling that, if every time you walk outside, you feel like everyone's looking at you maliciously and that they want to hurt you and, you know, you just, you just exist in a world where you have to act normal while you feel like there are phantoms haunting you in your peripheral vision. And that's a little extreme, but I'm just, I'm on a roll right now. So I'm trying to make it sound epic, but if you just feel that all the time, just know that. The only way, based on my experience, that you're going to break free of that shit is to beat the shit out of yourself, yourself. Like you have to bully yourself, but positively. You have to bully yourself with positive reinforcement. Like you got to get aggressive because I think when you feel that way, you're just kind of like, you're like dripping in, in, like, in uh, sadness and regret, you know, and you feel like a target and and all that and you feel like you have to make yourself small you have to be that person and and if you luck out 
may, like I kind of did, um, you know, maybe somebody can, can get you started with that, but you have to be that person that, that punches you right in the shoulder blades and makes you sit up straight and fucking stand there and look proud and just be like, you know what? I may be a fucking loser, but at least I'm trying. That's gotta be worth something. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, this weekend was so good in that way. I felt like, you know, hey, I I couldn't get seen in the most amazing, awesome show with the most vibrant audience and everything's just awesome and the host is super proficient and everything's fucking smooth as hell and I'm not bloated and everything's cool and my hair isn't out of place and I look awesome and confident somehow even though I haven't felt confident for years, you know, and it's like, it didn't work out, you know, so I just kind of went up and I was like, fuck this, you know. And uh, it just felt, it felt good. And I mean good as in like, I finally achieved a virtuous mm, approach to what I've been trying to accomplish, you know, to where I'm finally able to focus on what I actually care about when it comes to stand-up, which is how good I am at stand-up, you know? And so I got off stage I went to the Airbnb and yeah, I just felt this rush of catharsis, you know, I just relaxed, sat down and I just kind of looked at the wall and I felt suddenly very aware of how long I had to go and okay with it. That was really good. Other than that, Atlanta, I gotta say cities tend to not have very many good places to eat food. And Atlanta is no exception, right? Most food is garbage everywhere because most food is like dominoes and all that stuff. But that said, Atlanta has some good ass food. Like the few good restaurants they do have are banging. They're really good. They're they are better than Austin, I would say. Sorry, Austin. I mean, Austin knocks it out of the park when it comes to barbecue and meat-based food, basically. Like, they got burgers on point. Red meat? Red meat? I don't think very many places can beat Texas. Red meat food. And this is a meat eater's paradise. Uh, Atlanta, everybody I met was bisexual and vegan. I'm not sure why. I think personally, Atlanta's just, it's such a gay city that there's enough of them. And so they become like peak gay, like super adept at seduction. And so they, for fun, maybe, I don't know, or genuine affection, they go uh, bang the straight people so much and so well that the like a lot of the straight people don't know if they're straight anymore, I think. So, you know, that's pretty cool. That's a cool thing they have going on there. And um, vegan, though, that's bullshit. I don't subscribe to that. I just don't. I tried it. I was vegetarian for two years. I was vegan for one year. And I was doing it as an experiment and in response to a friend who had given me a book 
and had, you know, we had spoken about it and he was like, yeah, this is cool. You know, this is just as good as meat. And if like, you don't have to eat meat, then why eat meat? And I was like, okay, that's a good point. Let's see. And then he showed me this, uh, Southern comfort food, vegan place in Brooklyn. And I was like, well, if they have this, that's vegan, then I'm down. And also there are, um, in Harlem, there's tons of great vegan places. And so I, tr you know, I tried it and I read a book that he gave me about feminism and the intersection of fem feminism and veganism and see, and that's like where it starts to become bullshit, right? Where your daily habits become a part of some, uh, narrative, you know, somebody's story about the world. And so then you start making your decisions based on that rather than making decisions based on your story. That's the thing is that everybody has so much access to media tools, right? You can cut, edit, and upload your video and, and, and people will view it. And the more they like it, the more views you'll get. And there may be shadow banning and there may be algorithms that affect your view count, but if it's compelling enough, it's good enough, right? People will see it. And then if you put in the work, I don't know, share it, marketing or something like that, people will see it. But I think it just made people aware of the fact um, that the way media works is by pretending and spinning the world to look like a certain way to where you make choices based off of that instead of making choices based off of what you have seen in the world, like what you have experienced in the world. And I don't, I, I think that's terrible. That's, that's so pernicious. You got your own experience. You got your own consciousness and it's guiding you with your own reason. It, you can only stray from that path if you, if you let other people convince you to. And so they'll tell you that misogyny and meat eating have a long history and, and then they'll just like connect these like random strands of, of uh, cultural memes and idiomatic expressions and old sayings, you know, and it's like, she treated me like a piece of meat, you know, and, it, and it's like, oh, you see that? She, he treated her like a piece of meat. What does that tell you? That if treating her like a piece of meat is bad, meat is bad, brother, you know? And then you're just like, because you're dumb, you know, and you're not paying attention to anything. You're just feeling what they're saying. You're like, that's terrible, that is, Terrible. You mean to tell me that my burger feels like it's being sexually objectified by me? You know, and then you, so you're like, God damn it. And then you throw it out. I don't know. It's one of the more annoying aspects of existing in this society now is that everyone's aware of, of narrative storytelling and how to use it to try and lure you into some scam or lifestyle or politics or something, you know, or travel to somewhere or what to read or how to think and, you know, and you can't let them, I think. I, I, I don't think it's good. I think ultimately we're all kind of operating under this assumption that what we need is to all follow the right one. And I think that the only right one is yours. It's yours. You know what I'm saying? No matter where it's taking you, you just gotta, you gotta go with it. And that's, um, and you gotta go with it using like your peak, maximum, optimal, uh, rational mind. You know what I mean? And you gotta use the tools you have available to do that, right? Like the latest that we know of in terms of whatever scientific discoveries we've made or whatever, um, philosophical breakthroughs we've had or where we are here or there, you know, like, what do we know about the, the cosmos, you know, and 
and, and how does that reflect on me? And like, what about psychology? And you got to read the books that call out to you. Don't read books that people recommend you ever, ever. Okay. Unless it matches up with what you're already doing, where you're already going. I really feel that. And, I, and also I feel like that's not, this isn't even something particularly revelatory. I think a lot of people feel this now, right? Cause you go online, you go on the news there, there's, you know, whatever the, the conservative, um, internet people, right? They're all like, Oh, the people aren't following the news anymore. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because the jig is up. Right. And it's regardless of whatever they're reporting on, irrespective of that, it's just the fact that we have come to realize that they take everything and spin it into the narrative that they need to get you to do what they want. And now you broaden that and you realize everybody's fucking doing that all the goddamn time. I don't know if I'm uh, into libertarianism per se, but culturally, I think you should be culturally libertarian and psychologically anarchist. Like you need to, you need to always try to buck the trends and go your own way. You gotta go the way that your mind is telling you to go. Cause I think, I don't think you can do wrong in that way. Because even if you make a mistake, let's say, at the very least, you can be secure in the certainty that you didn't do it because you were hiding behind somebody else's dictates, you know, and that you weren't being a coward and that you weren't uh, following anyone and that you did the absolute best you could to make that decision. And it was a mistake. And when you do that, I think everything else that you, you do to fix mistakes or try to, uh, um, you know, pay the, pay, uh, pay them back. I don't know, repair the damage as well as you can. Um, everything that happens is easier to do. I think when people make a mistake and then try to hide it or it's because they're ashamed of the motivation that led them to the mistake, like greed or anger or, you know, some kind of irrational stupidity, right? But when you do something with everything you've got, you tried your fucking damnedest, right? You, tr you stayed as informed as you could, like within the context of what you were doing, you were doing the thing that was the correct path, right? And you make a mistake. If you make a mistake, you just continue in the same spirit in which you made that decision that led to that mistake and you correct it or try to repair the damage done by it in the same spirit of correcting wrongs and doing the thing that makes the most sense for you as an individual. I've never personally experienced anything where when I acted like that, I, I felt ashamed about it or bad about it or anything. It's, it always felt like, well, you know, I did what I thought was right. It was wrong. Now I will write that wrong, you know, best I can. But when you do something, you make a mistake because you're an idiot or you're greedy or something, it's completely different. You try to run away, right? You hide because you don't want to face the fact that you, you made a mistake. You fuck shit up for nothing, you know, for, for stupid reasons. Yeah. Everything is just some narrative now. It's crazy. And it's partly the reason why it's just, it's partly the reason why following these narratives that I don't know, people have become so cynical, less willing to believe anything and believe in anything 
because the way we use rhetoric now is cynical. It's like people are cynical because they've acted cynically to convince people of things like that they deserve a job or that they should be voted for or this or that. And it's just, we've been exposed so hard. It's been made so obvious how we're just a bunch of fucking ain't shit liars for the most part. If anyone comes along and, and is truthful or honest about anything, I think people just think of that person as a sucker, somebody to be made fun of, just funny. It's funny that if, if somebody has, that's why I think religious people get made fun of now and not just crazy religious people, right? Not just Westboro Baptist Church. I mean, I don't know what happened to them. I haven't heard of them for a while. Maybe, maybe, they, they, maybe they got a new message from God. He's like, hey, wait a minute. God loves fags. Oh, and they're like, what do we do now? He's like, I don't know. Potluck. All right. BYOQ. Bring your own queer. It's a weird time now. And then there's the fact that I don't know. The only reason why anyone's using narratives is to like, you know, create a brand, develop a brand, get a following, do like just all these cynical things. So people just using words that inspire you, but to do stupid things like buy your merchandise or some shit. And without anything else though, without anything, you know, no solid philosophy, no real, like people just kind of sell, sell you on bullshit now. And it's because all they really want is for you, like people are just a means to an end now in, in so many ways, like the healthcare industry, you know, it's like, you know, you're just, you're just kind of this superfluous little data point. And really the, the real marketplace in the healthcare industry is just between insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies, right? And they're just like yelling over your head and really, and you're just like, you're nothing, you know, you're just a bargaining chip. You're just a, a thing. And in, in so many of our cultural interactions now, we're just things, we're objects. We don't matter, really, you know? We're just a means to an end. We're, we're like the, we're a physical embodiment of something else. Like the way people used to think gold was important and that we should hoard gold, we should save gold, right? In the 1800s, right? And every country was fighting other countries to get more gold because there wasn't a lot of gold. So they were like, but when we have gold, we're richer. So we should get all gold and be super rich, right? And and then people realized like gold isn't rich, you know? Being rich isn't about having gold. Gold is just a representation of something else. What is that something else? Um, you know, GDP, right? Labor, like whatever labor produces for a nation every year, right? And so we moved away from gold to like IOUs. It's like, what do you mean gold? IOUs, man, IOUs everywhere. That's, that's paper money, right? And now we're going to digital currency. It's like, I think that's what's that's happening to people, you know, like social media. What are we to social media? They just use us and spit us out. We're just like, we're just like little points of data, right? They're just taking our biometrics constantly. They're trying to render us uh, virtually as an avatar so that they can manipulate you. They're trying to see how much they can puppeteer you into shit, right? This is uh, behavior modification. And, and you're just a means to an end, a, a way to learn how to control more effectively. That's it. And once they figure out how to do that, you know, we won't matter anymore. They won't need us really to do much more than whatever they can make us do, I think. It, I don't know. Am I getting a little too esoteric? Maybe. Maybe eventually they'll realize that the value of people isn't even people. It's just the data. 
And then, you know, we're just going to be left to roam around this burning planet while they just kind of live in uh, drone complexes above us in the sky. And they just figure figure out how to do that. And then we just kind of wander around like wildebeests, you know. But for now, all they do is harvest us. You know, we just walk around the earth. We just roam around in like from one enclosure to the next, right? We go from a from Bonnaroo to Burning Man to um, well, maybe not Burning Man is kind of cool, but that's it's the same thing, right? To any some f- other festival, right? To a bar, to a pub, to a restaurant, to um, to your phone, to this, to that. You know, they just want to capture your attention and and then siphon money out of you and data right? Constantly, everywhere you go, they want cookies. They want to take your data, 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 data. Hey, eat this, shove this in your face. Give us your digital money, right? It's just constantly shit flowing out of you to these people. And everyone just trying to figure out a, the, the startup to where they can cash in on the on the racket. You know, they can get in on the, on the hustle of harvesting p- shit from people, harvesting their data and then selling it. And then, and, then, and all the meanwhile, we're just shoving Dairy Queen in our mouths, and drinking and just drinking ourselves to a state of of bestial intelligence. I mean, basically, we're just cattle. We're just, we're just fat, lumbering cattle, right? Just grazing across cities, right? Just eating pizza, you know, and Domino's ordering, right? And just ordering shit off of Amazon and just getting fatter, fatter, and then and. It's the whole time we're being harvested. We're cattle. We're like cows and pigs and shit we're, and geese. We're just wandering around getting harvested. That's that's the future. Unless I think we figure out how to be like David Blaine and just exert supreme control over your focus and consciousness to where no one can touch you, you know, to where you have complete control. Dude, I, I just saw David Blaine on Hot Ones. I think that's a recent episode you know that show where this guy he lays out 10 hot wings in front of his guest celebrity guest right to to um increasing levels of hotness and um every wing for every wing that they eat together they the celebrity gets asked some question in in this 10 question interview about that celebrity and their career and personal details and families and stuff like that right and David Blaine it it was the most insane thing I've ever seen everybody who does this show Kevin Hart Terry Crews right they they're like weeping halfway through right snot is coming out of their faces uncontrollably like gushing their faces just become uh park fountains right and they're screaming and then they and they start getting delirious and dizzy, lightheaded, you know. And d- dude, DJ Khaled did one, and and he was such a puss that he he didn't even go past Cholula level hotness. Cholula, Cholula. Okay, I can I can fucking throw Cholula in a baby's face and he'll giggle. Okay, he couldn't eat that. And uh. Not that I would throw Cholula in a baby's face. That's what pepper spray is for. But DJ Khaled didn't. And then he spent the rest of his interview just lecturing the host of the show who just had to fucking keep eating hot wings because that's the show. So he's eating hot wings alone, right? Uh, just telling him how, how he's a man and he's a real one for not going through and giving up 
uh, midway through the, um, you know, wing eating extravaganza and, and all that. But David Blaine, I've never seen anything like this. He, it was, I mean, I guess it's David Blaine. So what, what would I expect? Right. But he, he ate every single wing and, and the host towards the end was already like taking little sips of milk and, and his eyes were getting a little red and David Blaine the entire time, supremely calm and serene and answering every question with, with nothing, like a nothing, like it was not, like they were just sitting in a park and with this level of calm and serenity, every wing he ate, he would eat it and go, that's delicious. And it was the most insane thing I've ever, I can't even explain it. He was eating um, wings that were a hotness level that your body can barely um, hold on to. You know, it was just like, towards the end, he coughed once. And that's because I think his body was was like convulsing and he and it just couldn't and he just like choked it back down and just straight faced again and he was like that's delicious and that was a fucking cr- and then he did a magic trick and then he ate he brought his own hot peppers to the show can you imagine he brought hot peppers that the host hated eating himself because it was just ridiculous you know and he didn't even ask for water you gotta watch it dude it was the best um episode of hot wings Ever. And I, I don't know, man, I'm going to read up on that guy because I didn't have cable when he was at his heyday in t- on TV and everything. And um, so I missed his, his show, basically, I'd see clips and stuff. And I know people liked it. And it was really funny because whenever he would do magic tricks for black people, they they flip out amazingly, wonderfully, you know, magically. And, um, and all that, but yeah, I'm gonna read up on him because that was amazing. And you should too. Alright, I've been talking for long enough. Anyway, I'm gonna go. Alright. You have a wonderful week. Have a great weekend. Uh, I hope you're doing well. And I hope if you're not, that you get it gets better soon. And just hold on, because it will eventually, right? Things will just get better. Then they'll get worse again. But then they'll get better again. And then they'll get worse again, but then they'll get better again. And that's dope. So, and then you'll die. So that's okay. Then nothing like that will ever have to happen to you again. So anyway, thank you for listening. I'm really glad you did. I'm glad you came back again and heard another episode. Uh, Stay tuned for another one next week and uh, we'll talk then. All right. So if you like this uh, podcast, like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. And I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.